Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Can you believe it's already the middle of December? So hard to believe. The The year has just flown by. This is our last live show of the year. I was just going to say that. If I'm not mistaken, this is the last uh, live show of 2013. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Good times. There you go. And I feel like it's been a while since I've been here. <laughs> it that's because kind of has. Yeah. Huh? I mean, last week I was out and and I it, I was in town and I didn't listen to the show. Well, I mean, I caught like minutes of it. I was recovering from some uh, LASIK surgery on my eyes. Yeah. Wow. Good times. How'd that work? Notice he's not wearing glasses. I noticed. Yeah. Uh, no glasses. Wow. Um, you know, I think all in all, it worked pretty good. Good. I'm trying to acknowledge the fact that uh, there's some healing that has to take place before it's absolutely perfect, and I'm not the kind of personality that puts up well with um, quirky little things. So, like, I kind of have yeah. My right. left eye is not quite as good as my right eye, and it, it's consuming me. But yeah. hey, I'm told it'll heal. Well, hopefully, it was it. It looks a little bloodshot. One of them. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, at least for me, it wasn't always cracked up to be. They say that it's like, oh, piece of cake, painless, nice and easy. Um, hurt to high heaven. Uh, suction cup thing they use to make your eye perfectly flat, like ruptured all kinds of capillaries in my eye. And wow. yeah, it was it was awesome. Just keep in mind, Jim, he's a known embellisher and has a very low tolerance for pain. I have yeah, pictures I of it the next day where my eye is like <laughs> low tolerance to pain. <laughs> I'm going to let you call me an embellisher. <laughs> you start calling me a wuss and we're going outside, pal. Good times. Yeah, so anyways, uh, it is nice to be able to see, though. That's good. All in all, I'm glad I did it. Um, I hope to be gladder that I did it as months pass. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, I uh, I was in town, and I really only listened to a couple minutes of the show as I was driving um, to go get, like, the post-op checkup, and I caught a minute of it. it. sounds like you guys were deep into the realtor thing. It was funny to hear a Jason on the show being addressed as Jason, and I was like, it should have to be said every time that that's not the Jason. That's a Jason. We made that disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay. Definitely. We just have to have a Dan or a Jason because of that one thing that brings us <laughs> the commercial. The you know, here's Dan and yeah. Jason. It has to be a Dan or a Jason. No, I understand. I mean, I you know how hard it was to find a second wife named Melanie? Because that's <laughs> that stupid tattoo. <laughs> just kidding. But I do wonder if anybody's ever done that. Like had a tattoo that was like lisa forever and then they divorced and then was like oh i need a new lisa you know it's happened <laughs> just works out um so but i am i am dying to know though since i didn't hear the whole show there was so much to talk about i kind of had like some airtime envy man i knew you guys were going to get to like 
talk about all that stuff, all the employment data. Did you do it all? We did, yeah. We got, so, like, I brought the notes. I did. I still prepared all my notes for us. You guys already talked about it, so it's not even – I don't even need them. No, no. We covered that last week. All right. Man. But there's new stuff to talk about this week, so hopefully you prepared for that. No, I, I mean, I prepared well. the new stuff too. Okay. I just, I, I, last week seemed like it was going to be a great week because there was like so much employment data and job stuff. And, um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely an exciting topic. Just to recap, I mean, you want to recap it since, since you did all that work? Well, yeah, maybe in a minute. I realize <laughs> that's not good radio, but, um, I left my backpack in my truck last night, and it was so cold that my laptop, I think, is frozen. <laughs> and not the kind of frozen where the mouse won't move, like the below 32 degrees. So. Well, I'll recap it for you really quick. Yeah. The the unemployment rate's down to 7% nationally. Yep. Um, some of it's still due to lack of participation, but we're, we're seeing jobs added, um, about 200,000 jobs added per month for the last four months in a row. Um, which is a it's a decent number, definitely stronger than we've seen the first half of the year, where it was closer to 150,000 jobs per month. And um, what else? Jobless claims, the initial jobless claims, those continued to fall for weeks on end until this week. And right. This so that week. was the thing. You know what I put in my notes was that it had fallen for seven of eight weeks in a row. And being like, I know it was like 298 yeah. when it was first posted, and then it looked like they straightened it up to probably 300 this week. Right. So I was all excited to talk about that. And then um, this week we learned that. Took a step backwards. Yeah. And why is that? Uh, I don't know. The The holiday season just proves to be a little volatile for employment all around. You see a lot of seasonal hiring. Um, apparently you see people applying for jobless benefits i'm i'm not maybe, maybe it's house cleaning for businesses um laying people off before the new year no yeah or, probably I mean, that's speculation i would imagine too that if like if you're in any kind of the trades where you're like you have jobs to complete and schedule and stuff because there are such tough short weeks in winter is usually pretty volatile that maybe you just wrap a job up in the first week of december and then you not also start have, again until january you also have weather related layoffs i'm sure you know some not not around here necessarily but some other areas where snow impacts the ability to work so what was the surge though dude like 20 percent 20 percent more yeah that the was... number was three hundred and sixty-eight thousand new jobless claims um definitely a a big number considering the expectations were around 325 we had seen in the last couple of months a, a couple of those weeks the claims had slipped below 300,000 which is really encouraging you know what was funny too was one of the other pieces that came out last week was about challenger job cuts and that's a that's a metric they track um, for planned layoffs right like people that they know are going to be shutting down in the weeks or months to come um, this number dropped showing that um, we're gonna we're gonna shed less jobs this year than the previous year. In fact, it was down 20% over what it was a year ago uh, and said that the retail sector would have the, the greatest number of losses. And that kind of tripped me out that going into this time of year, would retail really be where you're shutting down? I guess so, maybe because Black Friday and Cyber Monday are already behind us. It's time to start pulling the plug. Well, yeah, and I think that's an interesting topic that um, we should talk about today. It's it 
there's a lot of discussion now about the changing habits of the consumer and how they're shopping. Did you notice, by the way, I did this little poll with the group that I talk to every week. Did you notice your habits have changed this year? I don't shop, so my habits have pretty much stayed the same. All right. Um, <laughs> I do know you, you though. Checkbooked Bobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do know you though to be like a December twenty third, or if that's your travel day, a December twenty second. You're like frantically hitting up a store for like a quick marathon lap of a lot of things you need. I've seen. True, you but I've been successful in um, somehow convincing my mom to help me <laughs> oh you know my just getting right into the holiday me. spirit i don't want to be <laughs> yeah. burdened by gift giving i've i've recruited scrooge over I've recruited here personal shoppers okay now so I mean, that i mean because these people enjoy doing it so i might as well help them oh you're giving away happiness now <laughs> look at him it's part of my my Christmas right. um, offering Fair to, to these relatives. It's great. And part of this is at least because you're a procrastinator. Let's <laughs> call a spade a spade. Um, I, so I'll, I'll guinea pig myself here. I have noticed that this year my shopping habits are a little bit different. Um, did I share? I know I at least told you. Did I say this on the air that I you were made one my of the first Cyber Monday purchase yeah. ever? Yeah. Or was it Black? No, Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. Yeah. I, as a rule, I generally don't do that kind of stuff. Like, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't even go see Titanic in the theater just because everybody else was. So Cyber Monday thing. And I was like, what a joke, right? Well, I happened to cross Amazon. And I thought, you know, I do have some gifts that I have to give. And I know that... Some of them are on Amazon, so I thought, what the heck? I'll check it out. Then they had this thing, just brilliant marketing, said, um, hey, upcoming deals are about to happen. Don't miss some kind of thing that's a limited number. So I saw, well, I wonder what's going to be upcoming. What if it just happens to be one of the things that I'm getting? And um, so I opened it up. I saw the upcoming deal. There I was, like a deer in the headlights. A brand new lawnmower. And you're like, honey, you're not going to believe what I got you for yep, Christmas. baby. <laughs> a new lawnmower. Not on my gift list at all. But a lawnmower? Come on. And, you know, and I'm a sucker for a deal for sure. I like, I'll buy like two salts because the second one was 80% off or something. Like, it's more salt than you need for like 20 years. But I don't want to lose money in this deal, you know? So I see the lawnmower. It's a $279 lawnmower. And like there's like a few minutes before like you're it's revealed what it's gonna drop to. And I'm like, man, eh, I know it's some gimmicky junk. It's gonna be like $250. I'll have no trouble closing that window. Right? The thing comes on sale, boom, dude. 144 bucks for this like $279 lawnmower. There you go. How could I not? Well, how could you not? It's at now my you house. gotta mow the lawn. <laughs> Total, dude, and you I did. Kids, and got, I would no, I mowed it. Kids, though, so there you I go. mowed it and I was glad to mow it. It was so much fun. I was out there like I was I wanted my neighbors to see me. Look at this. That was Cyber Monday. But the um anyway, I so I, I did notice that in my whole household, we're buying um our Christmas presents, of course, we try to do as much with the local businesses and buy the stuff like that that you can, but there has been a bigger percentage this year of online purchases. And so I was like polling this room of people too, who participated in um, Cyber Monday and who who's noticed that their shopping habits are changing. And I felt like a lot of people said that they were. Um, and 
I mean, obviously there's some real pros and cons to it, but it's sort of uh, the biggest thing I think is that it maybe it creates jobs for the Amazon Job Center in Phoenix. It doesn't do much for our local economy. Right. So it's kind of a freaky thing to see how much legs this stuff is getting because it's so convenient. And now you saw uh, kind of furthering it, the uh, the postal service is going to deliver mail on Sundays just for Amazon. Um, so little things like this where it's it's just so convenient and obviously cheaper. I mean, when was the last time you saw a brand new lawnmower go on sale for half off uh, like a, on a Monday at one of the local stores? It just doesn't happen that way, you know? So it's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah, what a lot of the national talking heads were, were saying is that a lot of people are going into the retail stores to try things on, to to demo the Take various pictures goods. of it. Yeah, to, to do their research, get more information. Well, maybe they're doing a lot of research online, but they want to see the product. They want to try on the product. They want to, you know, have a little more one-on-one -on -one familiarity with the product in the store, but then they're going back and they're doing more research. They're doing price comparisons online and then pulling the trigger. I have an idea for you. What's that? You should open up an Amazon store in town that you cannot transact business in. It's simply the pick it up, squeeze it, shake it, try it on, um, see how shiny it is, and then hit go on the phone. Million dollar idea. You can have it. That's me giving you Christmas right there. Wow. Um, yeah, but no, definitely. In fact, there was an interview I saw with the owner of CCS, um, and, and he said that, you know, that I'm pretty sure that was it, but... Anyways, one of those small business owners said that people come in the store now oftentimes to check it out and find them taking pictures of tags like they're going to go home and find it cheaper or buy it online um, in some other way. And, you know, that's not good for the small businesses and the local companies. No, but I think it, it highlights... I mean, it's a it's a trend that's undeniable and it, and it highlights the importance of local businesses having an online presence so that they they can take advantage of of the changing buying habits yeah no doubt for sure so, so all that, right but tying it back to to the jobless numbers it, you know if that's an area where maybe people are going to be let go because there's not as much going on at the cash register you know that's that's where we are seeing a change and an impact in our local economies is the the jobs maybe not being there because the transactions aren't occurring. You need enough people there to attend to people's questions and and that right. kind of thing, but... Well, I, I read recently, too, that Applebee's is going to begin having um, restaurants where at your table you, will don't, you won't have a server, an iPad, where you'll ah. just make selections and, like, a conveyor belt of sort, or maybe even a runner will bring it, but, like, if you need ketchup, you'll just push the ketchup button and lickety-split, you'll have some ketchup. So... Yeah, I mean, I, it was well, who hard. Interacts with, who, who wants to interact with people anymore? I was, I was just going to tell you, I, it was a tough transition for me to begin pumping my own fuel. And now today I bank myself. I check myself out at the grocery store. Um, I'm shopping online without the help of a salesperson. Uh, before too long, I hope that we can just plug ourselves into a chair, never leave the comfort of our homes, and never have to talk to another person. Um, <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I know. Yeah. I know. But it's just, it, it, we kind of are moving in that direction a little yeah. bit. Well, um, 
on the jobs front, a, a little bit of positive news, given that jobless claims have, have moved higher. Um, job openings rose 1% to a seasonally adjusted nearly 4 million. It's the highest number of job openings since 2008. Um, and also, this is a sign of confidence, I believe, in the job market. The number of workers who quit rose 2.5% to almost 2.4 million, which is the most since October hey, of 2008. If you don't like your job and you are tracking the index of job openings and you see it climbing, then you might just say, take this job and shove it. Mm -hmm. It's been a good time to do that when the, when the job openings index is climbing. I trust that those quitters are tracking that. <laughs> it's got to be totally like coincidental, but um, yeah, it makes sense. Um, the other thing, last week, this was last week, right? GDP? Did you guys chat there about GDP? There was a reading, yeah. There was, and it was over three percent. That was real strong. Three point six percent, I believe. That was for third quarter. Yeah, um, GDP. Let's see here. 3.6%, the BEA, man, I was going to write out what the acronym meant, and then I forgot. Um, I, I was like, I won't forget that, but now I do. What's BEA? The Bureau of Economic Advancements. Sure. Yeah, something like that. Um, they were projecting 2.8% growth, and so seeing it higher than... The e economists called it 3.1. That was their prediction. And then there you go, 3.6. That's pretty strong. Um, that's really a good increase if that holds true and we see that annualized. Um, pretty good news in the GDP. It is. When we talked about that last week, the, um, the number was somewhat inflated due to businesses replenishing their their supplies, their reserves, it, those aren't likely to continue. Right. Um, yeah, that's one thing I saw was like, you know, if you look into it, it's actually because inventories are growing. And, I mean, probably not necessarily a bad thing because it's good that the business climate is suggesting to the people that make the widgets that it's a safe environment to go ahead and begin filling the shelves again yeah so, it's another sign of confidence yeah and and for that reason though it may not be actually just sales driven um tying right into those numbers personal income came out um in a decrease by 10.8 billion which represents 0.1 percent um so you see income take another little dig it's kind of interesting in, in light of the whole big jobs market and stuff. Income's not really made any great advancements. In fact, I think all in all, it's been on a decline. Um, income seems to be on a path to want to uh, undermine, like, house values. Remember when we were going, like, we're back to 2003 values. We're back to 2001. Incomes are, like, back to 2001 right now. And... Right coming out on that same day as the personal consumption expenditure increases $327 billion, which is 0.3%. So uh, then I was like, hey, wait a minute. Remember when um, people spend more than they make? <laughs> but if your expenses are exceeding the rate at which your income is growing, that's obviously not a good thing. Um, and for a while there, there was an awful lot of metrics that people were saving more, paying off debt and spending less, like kind of 
keeping track with what their income was doing. Um, so this month, a little bit different. Uh, we don't see that trend continuing. I wonder if that's signs of increased confidence. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and all Possibly. the while, by the way, University of Michigan, they launched their December Consumer Confidence Report. There's really only one word to describe the level of confidence um, over the previous month and surged is that appropriate word um economists thought that confidence would go up a little bit nobody expected that um it was just going to be so great and part of me wondered oh is it the holiday season is it because the government got working again um is it because you know that everything just feels like we just keep having these small victories home values are going up. Um, I don't know, but the, the consumer is confident again. And, and that's sort of the, the goal here. And I mean, at the core, I think of all of the economic policy, even by the, um, the fed by way of the treasury, all these real accommodating things are intended to keep money flowing, keep morale up, make everybody confident enough to, open that next office or put some more inventory on the shelves, hire a new guy, take on some more debt for a capital expense or something like that, just to try to keep the whole machine running. Um, and evidently it's working. So that's good news. And when we tie it all back to what this show's all about, all of this positive news is fueling speculation that Fed tapering's right around the corner. We're seeing rates anticipate that tapering. Rates are moving higher. Isn't it funny, too? Yeah, rates slid a little bit higher. And altogether, I'd say it's probably not even worth talking about, kind of negligible. You would expect a bloodbath in the market, by the way. Uh, when I said last week I had, like, some airwave envy, that's a lot of good stuff to talk about. And it's a lot of chunky stuff that's fun to tie all together and everything. You would expect that the you know all of these things thrown into one pot here that it would really make um the stage for a decent recovery in the economy fully underway um you would expect that stock prices would be going through the roof because look at all the strength getting people back to work getting confidence up creating jobs housing's doing good everything's firing on all cylinders stock values should be pressing 17,000 but there's a caveat to it all. There's still this $85 billion a month in stimulus being pumped in, and there's still this 0% interest rate. By the way, the feds have held this rate now for five years at 0%. So instead, we see all this good news, and, and most people react by saying, oh gosh, that much good news in a row, and dad's probably going to take away the visa. You know, they're going to start the taper, and when they do that, then what's it going to do? What's going to happen then? How high are rates going to go? Are we going to be able to keep creating jobs? Is housing going to stay up in value? You know, all these big concerns come out. And so in spite of some really good data, um, we, we didn't really see the stock market go through the roof and and at the same time we didn't see re rates really jump crazy high and it's because we still have this big artificial hand in here holding the volatility out of that and um so we'll see but definitely now um everybody was saying oh 
it'll be March before they taper for sure. You know, we got the handoff. And after this last week, all of a sudden you hear people saying, hey, now there's maybe a material chance that we could hear some taper talk coming out of the December meeting, which is scheduled to happen this week. Um, there'll be some kind of announcement. I think the meeting's on December 17th and 18th. So sometime around, um, it's usually what, Wednesday, right? At, at one o'clock, they'll say something. Um, so a week and a half ago, it was like 10% of the people in the room would have said there's going to be some kind of taper talk. After last week, they go, maybe it's like 20 or 30% chance that we're going to hear something out of the feds. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, we'll keep you guys all apprised of it. We're going to take a commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a Cal Poly alum. Uh, we're going to be joined by Ty Christensen. He is a realtor with Weber Nelson Realty up in Paso Robles. And uh, look forward to that conversation with him. We return after these quick commercial breaks. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. The snowman in the yard is frozen hard. He's a sorry sight to see. 
All right, and upon music bed of dead snowmen, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. <laughs> well, the snowman, last year's snowman in the yard is like a puddle with a carrot in it, right? Uh, I wasn't looking for this version, but hey, let us know. That's there sad, is. man. I like the one, I like <laughs> the one where they're like frolicking through a field having like a snowball fight and stuff. Hey, we got a, uh, a guest in the studio today to help us fill up this middle hour. We have Ty Christensen, and uh, we're happy to have you on the show. Thanks much for coming in today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me here today. Don't be intimidated by us. We've been doing this for like five years, and um, so we'll carry you when you stumble, and uh, we'll fill the dead airwaves. Stan's really good at that. <laughs> That's good, because I feel like I'm falling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so um, we always like to do a quick little intro here, um, kind of give people an idea. We got to kind of like um, build some credibility real quick, maybe find some common fiber with some people. So like um, I would tell you, I've lived in the Central Coast for 15 years. I'm a graduate of Cal Poly. Um, what else? I have a wife and three kids and I live in the North County um, so something like that. What? How? How's your rap sheet look? <laughs> well, here's the story behind uh, my background. Um, I originally was born in Hawaii and moved here when I was uh, fairly young. We were fortunate to move to uh, Pass Robles and um, wait. Time out. Yes. Did you just say you were fortunate to move from Hawaii to Paso Robles? I know most people would think that that's not the case, but I got to tell you, um, growing up in Paso, I've fallen in love with the North County. So, yeah. And if you visited there and you've been from out of the area, coming into Paso Robles, especially when it was a small town back when I moved there, um, was in the mid-70s. Um, my family moved there. So to me, it was really nice. Don't get me wrong. I miss the islands, and I love going back there. I was uh, just there a few weeks ago. Uh, in Maui, and I really, uh, I really love the island life. But I do feel um, that I've been really fortunate to land in Paso. Um, after Cal Poly, was able to stay in the area by getting a job. I worked for a software company in San Luis for about 10 years, and that was really nice because uh, I didn't have to move away. And right. that was the the early 90s when people were struggling for jobs coming out of college. Kind of remind you of today a little bit. You know, in the early 2002, um, when I was getting out of Cal Poly, it was kind of like, yeah, we're real sorry you're graduating this June because it's kind of grim out there. And I think for the last, like, hang on a minute, has it always been that way for college <laughs> graduates? <laughs> I felt like that when I it was It feels volatile, huh? Yeah, like, hey, yeah. cool, you're all trained up. Now go oh, meet 10% yeah. unemployment. Exactly. I was, you know, I was happy to get a job interview for car, for enterprise car rentals, you know, and uh, they're like, yeah, we may put you down in San Diego or lovely LA. or And I was like, wow, I don't really want to do that. So um, I was fortunate and I've been able to remain in the North County Um my wife and I, um, we went to the same high school together. We weren't sweethearts in high school, but we, we uh, you know, such a small community, you tend to know the people uh, as well. And we met uh, years later and married in our 20s. We don't have any kids, but, um, you know, we've got, we both got uh, good-sized families with lots of nieces and nephews. And, and her family, um, she's a native Paso Roblin, so she's uh, like fifth generation or something um, to that regard. And her dad is who I work for who is Gary Nelson, and he's been a broker now for probably, I think we're looking at going on 49 years, 48, 49 years. So um, 
it's been really, really, like I said, I've been really fortunate to be able to stay. I feel lucky that we have a family business, a family brokerage. Uh, my wife and I work together. Uh, we're agents in the same office. And uh, Gary works, um, he, he has the Quail Run Realty label, um, but we, we also do Weber Nelson Realtors. And, and it's, it's, um, it's really a nice thing to be able to say that we are a family-owned, family-operated company and we truly mean it so we love that small town feel that's awesome the uh first of all i just want to comment that you said passeroblian like pretty fluently like it just kind of rolled off is that a real thing because i i i think i would have probably said like a passeroblite <laughs> i don't i don't know i mean i was well you know if you always ever, have you ever seen the term? Uh, you'll see the term. Uh, you'll see it published because you'll get uh, the Roblin of the month, for example. Oh, or yeah. they'll have the Roblin okay. of the year. I think a friend of mine, Henry, with State Farm, was the Roblin of the year this last year. So you, you see it in print often. I guess I, guess I didn't uh, even think twice about it when I said yeah. it. Yeah. I had no idea that was a real thing. I was like, <laughs> you said it with such conviction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was interviewing Bush all of a sudden. Like, check this uh, dude out just making up words yeah. and everybody's just taking it. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. You know, I got a strategic plan here. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're working hard. <laughs> well, you know, when I first moved here from uh, Hawaii, I, had, I spoke pigeon talk. So I had this funny accent. I was the guy that stood out. You know, you quickly learn to get rid of that uh, that talk. You know, and yeah. uh, so you kind of adapt into the the space you live in. Wow, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I so yeah, I, I moved here too. I think most people, especially in our generation, it's like you move here to go to Cal Poly. And I, when I was going to Cal Poly. It's like almost from the day that you are you start Cal Poly, they just start telling you, you know, and and those of you lucky enough to stay, it's it's almost like the yes. the mantra: learn by doing and trying to figure out a way to stay. Um, it was that way for me for sure. I was looking around, going, man, I, what could I do to stay here? Because it was way better than where I was from, and um, I mean, and I love my hometown and everything, but the the reality is, is this place is great and. And I really did feel like there was a lot of opportunity here because, like, I grew up in Big Bear, and um, one of the reasons that I chose this place to live was I was I'm really close with my family, and I was really bummed that I had to move away. Like, I had to. And that's a ways away. There wasn't a college in my town, yeah. So I had to go somewhere, and it's not a, even a commutable distance to go to a four-year university from there. So I I had to go. And I was bummed to have to go. And um, so I'm optimistic that there's enough around that I'm hoping my kids don't have to leave that they might hang around. But, you know, if they want to, I'm going to work with my counselor to accept that as well. Um, but, yeah, so I do. This is, a, this is a bigger area, and there is a bit more opportunity here. But at the same time, when you and a thousand of your closest friends are all graduating on the same day and everybody wants to stay – it's kind of a tricky thing. I've noticed that a lot of the people that stay and and either that if you stay for the long haul, it's almost like you end up getting employed by the county or you know, one PG of the &E. yeah, yeah, one of those or you end up um working in the trades yourself. and working for yourself. Yeah. I've and that. um and that's awesome. I love that too. It's kind of like you can create your own you got to create your own space here and and really excel at something to be able to figure out how to be here. Uh, makes it worthwhile. So, um, 
So yeah, so tell me, are you working with uh, buyers or sellers or both? What's the mix? You know, to be honest with you, for us, we do a little bit of everything. We, you know, um, because our client base is so broad, we do. Um, you know, Gary also does taxes, so we have a client base that is wide ranging. We deal with uh, anything from residential. We do commercial. We'll do vacant land. Um, and we don't do any um, lease management or property management. We've found that that is just too, um, for such a small company, it just takes a lot of overhead, more overhead than we like to, to have to do it right. Um, and I find that, um, you know, we work with uh, pretty much whatever kind of comes along from the client. We, we do work, probably the majority of what we do is residential, um, but we do have a facet of commercial that we end up doing just by nature. Um, you know, clients come in and say, Hey, I've got this, uh, commercial, um, property. And, you know, so you sit down and you end up doing a lot of, uh, various types of properties just because, um, we're smaller and, and, you know, our client base revolves around our capabilities. So to be, um, uh, you know, to be forthright about it, most of our clients lately have been residentials. Commercial has been a little bit slow. Um, the vacancy rates up in, in our area seem to be a little bit higher on the office side and the retail side, but, um, you know, the residential has been probably the bulk of our market, uh, especially in the North County for the past, you know, few years. Wow. Yeah. So the, uh, I'm also always interested in the dynamic of the husband and wife team. <laughs> well, you know, everybody asks that. I um, and I'm not just saying this. I, I do enjoy working with um, my wife. She is um, she's my contract coordinator, so to speak. She's really the office manager. She's um, she's really good at contract and the legal aspect of it. Um, she used to work in title uh, for Fidelity. Um, so. Her background really uh, helps offset uh, the way we work together. I tend to do a lot more of the sales end of it, um, but her research and then her contract skills, uh, she's she's really good. I mean, if you have a contract question, because she used to train other agents in the San Luis area, actually, um, with wind forms and working with you know the wind forms contracts and the car contracts. So I have to hand it to her that she, uh, I've learned, I'm still learning all the time, you know, and what we're seeing now, for example, um, this is just a small example. We've seen lately as the market has gone up that we're getting those repeat buyers again and buyers and sellers that, you know, have been in the market before and they weren't able to sell because the house, the house, housing values weren't there. What we're seeing is a lot more contingent sales, contingent purchases and contingent sales. And, you know, um, that's something that if you haven't used a contingency uh, addendum as part of the contract in a long time, even on the, you know, the real estate side and the lending side, you, there's so much to know there to make sure that the transaction is going to go smooth. Uh, you know, we've run into a few hiccups working with some other brokerages, and I think they're experiencing the same problem. They hadn't had to break that that form out in a while, and you almost have to go back and reread it and re-research it and and really get a really good understanding again of what you have to do to protect your client. So, so a lot of these repeat buyers, these are move up buyers who are making their sale yes. contingent upon the sale of their other house or their purchase contingent on the sale. Of That's other exactly house. it. We're seeing a lot of that. Uh, we're seeing more of it, I should say, and um, it does create for a much more difficult transaction. Um, Timing becomes very critical. Extremely critical. And so, you know, when we go in and talk to a client. We like to make sure that they understand. It's always better to have an out plan anyway, because you know time of possession can get tricky and rent backs are, are can be really goofy and risky, um, um, depending on the relationships between buyer and seller and their agents. But 
what we have found is that the timing is probably the most important issue. And having a backup plan in that situation, we, you know, we find it's very important to sit down with them and truly explain to them what this entails because there are so many facets of it. We have to re-research it. You can only imagine what they're going to expect to hear from their agent to explain it. So I think that we are going to see more and more of that as we're coming into the next a uh, couple years. What kind of backup plan do you have? Just a reservation at the Holiday Inn? or is there... <laughs> That's the backup plan you don't want. That's not the one you want. Um, you, you know, there's a, there can be variations of that. Obviously, uh, finding a, a rental is a nice idea, but to be honest with you, in this market, that's really, really difficult. We're, you know, we're seeing that some people set up, like, say, a vacation rental, you know, uh, especially in Paso. There's a lot of those. Uh, they'll do that for a few weeks, you know. Um, we're talking about the worst case scenario. If we can't get the timings down, if maybe we're having to use two separate escrow companies. I saw one the other day, um, you know, one of our buyers was uh, getting into the home and the sellers, they had to wait five more days after the close. And I, you know, I hadn't seen that before because uh, something from the lender required it uh, before they could get even their loan docs and close. So they were scrambling. We had to do a time of possession oh. change and let them stay a little longer, cover some of the cost for the buyer. Um, so to answer your question, uh, vacation rentals tend to work fairly well. Uh, short-term rentals, those are really hard to come by right now. So that's really not always the option. Um, and your last resort ends up being sometimes just a, a hotel room for a few nights. And, and then, you, you know, what's great is you work with either a storage place or those pods or, or you try and work out a deal with the, the, the place you're buying where you can move things in and put a security deposit. At least in the garage. In the garage yeah, yeah, the garage. Yeah, you don't want to have to move twice in a month. You know, <laughs> it, it gets risky, though. You'd be shocked because someone's personal items are in there and what if something happens? So you've got to work out all the gray areas that have to deal with insurance, uh, potential damage. What if there's a flood, a pipe breaks? I mean, all these scenarios you can work through in your mind. And if you think... If you haven't thought of it, it's probably going to happen. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. the case. Well, yeah, I've I've come to learn from this crazy business that the things that I worry about rarely come true. <laughs> it's the you. things that I never even considered that totally blindside me and just cause major dis just disasters on a given file. Uh, as long as we're on the topic of timing and closing escrow and stuff, sure. I work with a lot of um, purchase clients, obviously, and, and one thing that I tell everybody is um, don't try to move out on a Friday and in on a Monday or, you know, in on a Friday, out on a Monday. you got to overlap this thing by, by way more than three days. And as much as, uh, you know, people rarely like paying double rent and stuff. The mortgage payment, typically you get like a month off on your new loan. So um, I just encourage people to take a week or two overlap and give themselves plenty of time for all of the stuff that happens. And and I'm telling you, invariably it happens. And there we can give you the list of the things that are most likely to cause it. And then it's going to be something that nobody considered, you know. That's a good point. Um, That's a very good point. From getting the utilities transferred from one to the other or or then the most unexpected thing happens um, the other people couldn't get out and then the carpet cleaner truck blew up on the way. So now you're going to move on to the dirty carpet or they're going to come clean the carpet on a Wednesday, in which case it's not really going to be dry till Friday because the heater's off because the utility, I mean, the whole thing, it's like, just give yourself a week or two weeks, 
if you're really stressed about the money. Um, well, you know, you brought up a good point, though, and you just said something that kind of triggered a thought in my mind. A lot of people don't understand that if, uh, you know, some buyers will think, okay, I'm buying this house, and when I get it, it's going to be it's going to be clean, the carpet's going to be clean. Not always. No, no. Unless you put it in the contract, the seller doesn't have to do that. It's got to be in the same condition as when you first saw the house, yes. So right. in other words, there's not going to be multiple holes in the walls, hopefully, things like that. Oh, yeah. And in, in that, by the way... Talk about where a realtor earns their salt. <laughs> I love that. Is somebody that's forward thinking enough to say, you know, your place should be more than than broom clean. If I'm if I'm dropping a half a million bucks here and I want to and I want to get the keys and I want to move in, um, I don't want to move in and have to get your Folgers out of the back of that drawer yeah, and that's... sweep the breadcrumbs out and go clean your soap scum out of the shower. And that oftentimes I feel like is something that. A lot of realtors overlook that guidance of their buyers to say, you know what, we is it important to you to have this place professionally cleaned? Yeah, some or, people are. It's very important, and you know, the, a good point on that is that it, you know, a lot of people they don't realize it till they're halfway through the escrow, and then they're realizing, well, gosh, I was back in there, and they started moving their stuff out, and there's just there's stuff everywhere, you know, it's like there's dust under where the sofa used to be, and and you know, like you said, the kitchen. Um, it, it, in the past, what we you know it was difficult to put something like that in a contract because it was so competitive. Now you have the options of being able to ask, "Hey, uh, we like to have the house you know credit towards uh, so much money to have it professionally cleaned or the carpets cleaned." And and you know some some sellers just they are mentally attuned to that and they do it anyway. Right. Um, but that's not always the case when you're in the mad rush to move all your stuff out right. in a weekend. And the other part of that is that um, it's. It's to most realtors' chagrin when you walk in and you've got a buyer and you walk into the seller's house and it's a week before close and they've still got everything there and all the pictures are on yep. the wall and there's no boxes packed and you start freaking out and you start going, wait a minute here, okay, I better call the other agent and find out what's <laughs> going on. Do these people forget they're in a contract? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's happened, trust me. Oh, uh, yeah. We get those calls too, even though it doesn't have anything to do with me. You know, and you won't believe it. Suddenly they took the handrails off the deck and no one knows why. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Yeah, Hopefully it's because yeah. when they carried the pool table out, it was just easier than going over. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, people do some freaky stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, but that's a, those are all interesting things to think about. And I think if I was a realtor, that'd probably be one of my thank you gifts uh, as a, uh, you know, Buy somebody that cleaning because that is the thing. You, you get there and it's just like a, a mess. And those the little dust bunny things. Once everything <laughs> is out, those things are everywhere. We tend to do. Uh, we have a practice at our firm that we tend to um, buy our clients a home warranty on the sales side or the buyer side or, or both, just depending on the transact. If it's not in the transaction, it's one thing we generally usually always like to to provide because if the house isn't brand new, you get in there that first year and. You know, it's Murphy's Law. Something is going to go wrong. I mean, I don't care if the, the hot water heat is brand new. Then it's going to be the, the air conditioning pump might go out. You, you just never know. And I tell you what, that peace of mind for that first year is you're getting acclimated to your cost and your other issue, you know, your other things. You know, people don't take into – they may have figured out a budget, but they didn't take into fact that the trash costs $64 a month. Or, you know, I mean, little things come up, as we all know. I mean, 
Uh, when I bought my first house, uh, a friend of mine said, you know, for the first year, you're going to be eating rice and beans. And he was true. It was it was a fact. It was like, you know, you're right. All these little secret costs come up and it sure cuts into some other budget of yours. But I mean, I don't know how I went for you guys, but like <laughs> every time I've ever moved in my life, my wife is like. Oh, we need to go get this thing to go there. And next thing you know, I've got <laughs> floor treatments and window treatments, and we're doing this and doing that. That's why we're eating rice and beans. Yeah. Not, just trying yeah, to, you know, covers, you know, customize the space. I'm like, baby, I know that you need a sign that says bathroom when you walk into the bathroom, and that, you know. Yeah. But but what's wrong with the old sign? Yeah, it's the wrong color for sure. Sure. Yeah, uh, my. Uh, my brother's house, his wife decorated a lot of that way. Like, they're, you know, it says, like, laundry. And, you know, and it's a cool wooden sign or whatever, and it's, it's in the laundry room. And I, I'm like, do we really need to, like, spruce up the laundry room? And we got... <laughs> well, it might be you might forget where you're at when you end up in there. Right? right? Maybe you're over there for, during Christmas and you're having too many hot toddies yeah. and you don't realize you're in the laundry room. <laughs> I swear, the next time he pees in the dryer, I'm going to put a sign up to say that's the laundry room. Might We're going to put one in the bathroom, too. Might be a very good point, you know? <laughs> Secret necessities. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's funny. You know, it's funny that you brought up the home warranty thing, too because uh, I'm coming up just on a year since we bought our new house and had the home warranty. Do you guys use Old Republic? Is that uh, we have used Old Republic. We, you know, we don't. We use uh, we've used Old Republic, First American. Those tend to be the two that um, we tend to use the most. They're Crest. You know. So we had a few different certified. issues. We used our home warranty several times. Yeah, um, yeah and and honestly. Um, I'm looking for reasons to call, man. Um, I, I'm telling you, especially yeah, as it's yeah. starting to draw near to the end of the year term. It's you, like, most people forget that, they have it. Does that heater sound funny? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like Googling, yeah. how do you like melt down a heater? Well, here's what um, you know, think about it. You're especially like, let's say you're in the, like you mentioned, the $500,000 range and it's got a pool. Well, right. most people don't think, well, gosh, you know, that pool pump, that's not a, cheap replacement especially if it's a saltwater pool well you can buy an addition to your plan that covers right the pool equipment and yeah. that's the last thing you want to be changing out in the first summer that you're going to start using your pool is to come up with a twelve hundred dollar fee to fix you know right. something with the pool right before you pay a thousand bucks to fill it exactly hundred bucks a month for the chemicals right, right yeah that it's funny that you brought up the pool too so we have a jacuzzi so we did the add-on i got like the you know, our house has a trash compactor and these things. So we made sure to add all of this stuff, including the AC and everything. And um, the jacuzzi, the little display thing, like where you do the temperature and the jets and everything, it, it just wasn't functioning. Like it, it lit up with like snowflakes instead of like letters and stuff. And so we called the home warranty company and they sent out a guy and the guy came out and said, oh, that's not covered. What do you? What do you no. mean? It's not. We got the jacuzzi coverage. I said, oh yeah, but it's only for like, um, like pump and heater. It's not for like electrical display or cover or any of these kinds of things. And I was like, that was a different add-on. You got to be kidding. Me. No, they don't even offer that. That's a good point. That's they don't even point. offer that. No, they and then you gotta cover the core. And then we had an, another issue where the ceiling fan, and it's a very expensive ceiling fan, but it just stopped working. Like the light come on, but the thing doesn't work. So we called the home warranty company again. They came out and they said, 
oh yeah no that's not covered and i'm like what are you telling me the ceiling fan won't spin and it's like it turned into a light it's a very expensive light surely it's covered with wings yeah <laughs> not yeah um and it wasn't covered um, so there was all these little things about the home warranty that was really frustrating to me. And by the way, I'm, I'm not shy to say mine's on Old Republic, so maybe the grass is greener on some of those no, other I, ones. I think what you, you, you have to remember that the warranty companies, what, what they're mostly there to cover, I, I think, and this is why like, I always try to give the package to my client be, even before we're closing so they understand the full scope of it. It's there to cover the core things, you, right. know, you, you know, the things that are going to be really mountainous to, to repair. Uh, no offense, but the fan, you know, I, it would be nice, but, you know, you can go down to Lowe's and buy a new fan, you know, but but a heater, uh, replacing a heater, that just can be, that just can tap you beyond what you can recover right. from, you know, I mean, more often than not, we see air conditioner problems, we've seen plumbing problems, we've seen heater problems, and we see water heater problems. And I tell you what, um, you know, some people are capable of replacing their own water heater. People like me are not necessarily good at that. So I'd prefer to have somebody come out and help me with it or do it, you know, instead of my wife standing around telling me how to do it because she knows how to do it. But, Pull your pants yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's one of those things that, that can end up being a $1,000, you know, cost. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the no, that... agreed. Yeah. Funny thing, too. Like, so each of the little things that's broken, um, like the ice maker on the freezer quit working. And um, so we called the home warranty, you know, hey, are you guys going to fix this? I said, oh, uh, ice makers excluded. Said, <laughs> well, uh, what if, what if the, <laughs> the refrigerator is covered? What, what, if, what of that were you going to fix? Just curious. Well, if the compressor failed, then we'd um, fix or replace the refrigerator itself, you know. So, yeah, those little things, like I think the nicety parts, like it's great you got a jacuzzi, and yeah. we're sorry you can't see the display, but that's not part of it. <laughs> if the heater on it didn't work, then they'd fix that. The the bigger, it's kind of the bigger things, not the details. Um, interesting anyway. And we have to, you have to pay a service fee too. Did you know that? Yeah, you do. Every time they call, it's a, it's the, you pay the first deduct, uh, deductible, I think is what they call it or what service. Yeah. It's basically you like 60 bucks for no matter who comes. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy we had our, um, air conditioner wasn't working mm -hmm. and I was like, yes, finally, like <laughs> <laughs> broken AC talking about shopping online earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> broken AC, get a new one. Like what are the odds? Yeah. The dude came out and said, oh, yeah, you know, the it blew a fuse because this was corroded, so we replaced that, did like a charge-up on the whatever makes it cold and clean the filter and all that. Should be good to go. And then one of the things he says is, um, gosh, I'm really surprised that the um, the pump on this thing is still working. Uh, it's probably got a year or two at best. And I'm like, dang, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because those can that can be like thousands of dollars. Well, the, I'll tell you one thing. Um, you know, when we're looking at the house in the first place, you know, one of the things I'm looking at or try to take in, uh, take into perspective is any deferred maintenance on a house, and so you kind of find things out during the process. So that that would lead to whether you know one you want to stay into it, and the the warranties there is kind of a real backup. Yep. All right. Hey. 
We're just about to 11 o'clock here, which means we got a couple minutes of break that we got to do. When we get back, we're going to have another half an hour with Ty. Um, going to talk a bit more about this real estate thing, and then we're going to wrap it up with some more economics. So do stick around, freshen up your coffee, go water the dog, whatever you got to do. Come on back. We'll be back for another hour of Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful Since we've no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Alright everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We have Ty Christensen on with us. and um, Ty, your office is right next door to ours in Paso Robles. They're yeah. on Spring Street. Yep, yeah, we're about two doors down from you really. Um, actually... Um, uh, originally, uh, my wife and I designed that building. Um, her sister ended up building it, and it's a it's a beautiful office. I mean, you guys have a really nice location there. Oh, you designed I, our building? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, originally we were going to move our office there, and uh, it's a gorgeous – I mean, we went with a craftsman-style design on the front. I mean, it's it really is, I think, a beautiful building. It is, and, yeah. Um, uh, and then Jen, my wife's um, sister and her um, uh, husband at the time uh, basically built it out. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great location. In fact, it. right when you said that, I remembered now that there um, was a relationship between our landlord and you guys. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Fascinating. But it's a good location, and we like being where we're at. Um, right there on Spring, we've got, you know, there's parking right in front, so you're not vying yeah. for, like, a, you know, a spot downtown. and. Um, we're right. We're also next to State Farm, so you know. And then there's Farmers Insurance next to us, so there, it's a pretty good little professional uh, office location right there. Uh, and then Gary also does. He's an enrolled agent, so he does taxes, and so um, you know we get a lot of uh, traffic from from those types of uh, businesses. And don't forget that on those tough days or just that celebratory Friday, Outlaw Liquor is right across the street. <laughs> uh, no, but seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Right there, though, is also great parking for the fair. Oh, yeah. Man, how cool yes. is that? We always yes. just park the office, have great little home base right there, walk down to the fair. Um, and then tonight, of course, being the Vine Street deal. Another good spot to park. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great place to come park and group and go up there. So that's, it is a great location. We do the uh, for, for, for Pioneer Day in Paso in October. We usually have um, in the morning, we're out there really early as all the tractors and the floats are lining up. And uh, you usually can come by for, um, you know, some hot coffee and some donuts and, and uh, maybe a mimosa or something. But we, you know, it's traditional for us. The car show, the, the cruise night, yep. you'll find that we're out there uh, at barbecue and uh, we have a great um, chili 
chili pot recipe there and you just have people when is that yeah, when's your cruise night you know <laughs> <laughs> um i think if i remember correctly it's every year is i think it's in august when they do it uh or maybe when, it's in may when is ours it's so funny in, i can't remember in may right, right? moro bay one's the i think it's the last friday in may yeah so maybe ours is in may too actually I think. all right so but, check it out dude yeah it's just a good family event calling you out right now here on the air yeah i usually bring my smoker out to the, our office in moro bay for the moro bay cruise night yeah because they do the show on the weekend but on friday night they do the big cruise and so i smoke some tri-tips and you know we make some potato salad and stuff like that so this year you're going to come to ours in morro bay and we'll treat you to how the lenders smoke the tri-tip and then i like it when you're ready to do yours you just call us and we'll come check you out i like it you know i i we love these kind of things because we have so many friends that um uh, are in town and our clients come and and even friends from out of town they bring their families and they all pile in the cars and they cruise and it's yeah. just a really great event so yeah and this yeah and the other part of it that i think is just um pretty priceless is just the community aspect of it yeah. getting out there and seeing everybody you know that that you work with and and live with and your clients and everybody just kind of getting together for a night of just you know goofing around checking out cars you and know will barbecue. will's in your office up there will barnaby and um he catch he knows in the in sometimes in on a thursday afternoon about three o'clock uh, he may catch a wafting of barbecue smell just in the back parking lot. <laughs> and we're known to just do that on a, on a Thursday or whatever day of the week. We just feel like it, especially during the warmer weathers. And people know now they'll just kind of stop by on a whim. You know, hey, are you guys barbecuing? Need <laughs> <laughs> some ribs and whatever. We do it pretty often. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out now that we know that the invite's always there. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> it's always there, man. See yeah. how we did that yeah. right there? You'll get a text from Will when it's happening. Hey, you guys better hurry up and get up here <laughs> <Ty's cooking. laughs> yeah hey so i did um i it's great to, to to have you on today and be talking about these things and um i feel like we've already gotten a little bit of a glimpse about um you guys you know this your wife helping you with the the contract and kind of the transaction management and just making sure that you're being thorough and thinking everything through it's always great to have a second set of eyes um, I want to just kind of give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about where do you work and what is your bread and butter? Are you guys willing to list and sell in Atascadero? Are you? Yeah, we. That's a good question, and and, and of course Jennifer has her own client base as well. So um, it varies between us. Uh, just when we're in the office, it's a really good team. Um, but we do, uh, you know, Gary specializes in, in Quail Run and uh, a lot of the senior communities in our area. As for the Weber Nelson um, aspect of our company, we do, I, I, I uh, will do anything uh, stuff. I just did a closing. I just did a, um, a sale in, in Cambria. We'll wow. go all the way down. We've got some clients right now. We're looking at property in San Luis and Royal Grandy. We don't tend to take a lot of listings in the, in the South County because to give the full attention to what you need to a really good listing, uh, we tend to refer those off to um, you know uh, other agents down here. But we do take them uh, now and then, especially if it's um, a listing for someone that um, is maybe, you know, really wants to work with us and they really you know a lot of times we're either good friends or we're good clients of theirs and and so we like working with them but we do a lot in the north county obviously uh, southern monterey county the bradley halone the lakes out there um san miguel san ardo i've got a bunch of uh land listings right now in lockwood halone some some ag properties vineyard properties things like that 
so we're not really, we don't um, ham ourselves in. We don't really venture much farther south than the Pomo usually. Um, and that's usually when we're representing buyers. We, Like I say, we don't tend to take a lot of listings down in the South County because it's just, there's a lot of good agents down there that can spend the, the time that it needs to be on a listing. We'll do a lot of listings in uh, Tascadero, Templeton, and Paso Robles. Uh, again, out at the lakes, we have them, um, you know, remote properties, ranches. Um, over on the coast, I've done, um, you know, a few years ago, we did a, um, we worked for one of the regional banks here in town and handled all of their, their REOs, and they were all over the place. We, we were in, in Morro Bay, we were in Cambria, uh, we were out all the way out in, in Park, uh, Park Hill, out past Santa Margarita. You just never knew where it was going to be. They just knew that we would just go take care of it. So they would call us on a Saturday at 7 o'clock going, hey, can you go tell me if this property is vacant? Well, we would go do it. So that's, I think, why we had most of the work from them. Lately, when we talk with real estate agents, what we find is that the general sentiment is there's not enough for sale and um, that it's pretty competitive again um, or still, I don't know how to qualify it now. We, we don't really have any idea at all of what normal is, but what's your, what's your experience with the climate right now in terms of, um, working with prospective buyers or sellers? Here's what, um, you know, I, cause I, I feel like, you know, this is a topic of conversation a lot lately. As of October, I really feel that there's been a, a little bit of a decline in activity, uh, there's not this immediacy that we had coming through the summer. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's necessarily rate driven. I think it's the unknown driven, so to speak. You know, people are coming into the end of the year. They're going to be factoring, okay, what's, what are my health care costs going to be? What are my other costs coming into the year? What are the feds going to do after the first year? What do I need to be thinking about any money that I have? You know, plus you add on top of that that we're running into the holiday season. Now, normally I would have said that in the years past, but I have to be honest with you, Jen, Jen and I were the busiest over the last three years during the holidays. I mean, I couldn't believe yeah. how busy, crazy busy it was. Last December, we had one of the best months that we'd had, and usually December and January are pretty big snoozers for yeah. us. And and I couldn't help but feel like a big reason why was just like, that was when rates were just like stupid low. <laughs> I mean, no, no kidding at all. Some of the clients, we actually closed people that had a 3.0 30 year fix. Isn't that amazing? And it was right about that time. Like talk yeah. about Merry Christmas. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and I'm, I'm like, if I needed to sell my house and there was a window, you know, let's say I could, I needed to sell it next year. Sure. I probably don't want to do it in like between October and January because the kids are in the thick of school. We're going to be traveling and having company because of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And plus then it's like rainy and people are going to be tracking their dirty feet in and out of my house and all that <laughs> stuff. So ordinarily, and, and same thing, I think same logic applies for people doing loans. If you need to do a loan um, and, and the climate is relatively like normal throughout the year, why do it in well, November and December with all of that in the yeah. mix? No, I get that. And that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and trust me, we don't run out and encourage people to list it during Christmas. You know, that's a that's a tough call to make. Usually you really only want to do that if you've got like a vacant house. What we found, have found or I think I've found over the last few months is that with this 
slowdown. There seems to be less multiple offer type situations. There seems to be less pressure on pricing. In other words, pricing's not necessarily doesn't feel like it's going up. I feel like we're we've almost settled, and maybe there's even you'll see some um, price reductions in a few in a few locations now where people have kind of. We had that frenzy in the summer, so people were raising pricing, expecting to get the next ten or twenty thousand. Where in reality, you know, the sales price probably shouldn't have, you know, should be more normalized. I think that's what I feel like we're coming into. Obviously, I can't track that yet because the trends don't really show it. But um, it's a sense I get just when talking to other people, lenders, and other agents. I get that real sense. Then you have to take into account the fact that. I think what we're starting to see are more repeat home buyers, not necessarily investors, but repeat home buyers like we talked about, the values have come back up. So now they're really starting to think about, okay, where do I want to be? Where do I want to have my next house? And then how am I going to do it? You know, and, and that starts, they want to they set things up before they do it. And then with the inventory being a little bit low, that just culminates into taking a longer period of time to see these houses go on the market, sell, and yeah. get the tra you know transaction done. Last month we had Wes Burke on, and um, he was telling us that in, in their office they're seeing a growing number of seller contingencies, not on selling their house, but on procuring a new one for themselves. That's and exactly that, correct. That that was not normal for the last few years. In fact, maybe maybe not. Be because inventories are so tight now and they kind of haven't been so tight in the past that that wasn't something that he was too familiar with. No, and that's what we talked about earlier. We're, we're starting to see a lot more of that. And so you really have to start to be very careful and you really have to explain to the to your client, whether you're a buyer or seller, how that works because, it, you know, that really can shape the the transaction. You could be waiting 17 days just before you could even start to do your your um, your own contingent investigation contingencies if you're a buyer. Right. You know, you really need to read through that contract thoroughly and the contingency part of it because it it I'm you know we talked about at the break you know contributing and trying to make a smooth transaction. Well, guess what? That could be one of the biggest pitfalls of oh, yeah. a transaction is stressing out over a rate lock and the. You know, I'll tell you, you know, though. Um, Dance, he's like the uh, such a pessimist, and I'm always trying to <laughs> remind him uh, that um, there's these that the glass is half full, Dan. It really right, is. Right. Um, you know, rates have gone up a, really of more than a point from their lows, and they went up really a point in interest rate um, over a couple month period. And since you know the the thirty year fix today is somewhere comfortable around, I'd say on average about four and a half percent. Okay, um, I'll tell you what really that has. Um, there's some upside to it, and one of the things that's really nice about it is that the volume has slowed down enough to where um, we are able to get uh, loans done in a much timelier fashion mm -hmm. where, you know, we're not trying to be the screaming priority to an underwriter that's got 15 other people screaming at him. Sure. You know, for example, yesterday I got loan docs out on a file. Um, we're 18 days into a 45 day escrow. 
and that's fantastic it's negotiated it's done we did a request for repairs already everything's all it's all buttoned up and now and i asked everyone hey any interest or ability to close any sooner in this case the answer was no because the seller had their little you know this was a piece for them to make their next step and it sure. can't happen for them before um january 6th and i just I was happy to be able to call everybody and say, you know what, the docs are out. We've got plenty of time now um, to just chill. Now, believe me, I know well enough to know this thing still could be delayed. <laughs> well, but it, it is that we're afforded that opportunity now to work uh, a little bit ahead and get things done easier with less stress just because we're not at the frenzy of a 3% 30-year fixed. We're... Um, you know, we got a little bit of breathing room because rates are a little bit higher. Well, you know, one of the things that you, when you were asking the question a while ago about the, we were talking about inventory a little bit. Um, I think that it helps kind of find a real, the, the real number, uh, to a, a sale of a home. It, it helps an agent so that we're just not trying to fight against this increased, you know, everybody sees that, you know, this guy down the street sold for this. And so I think I should be able to get, everybody says the market went up. So maybe I should be able to get 20,000 more. You know, I mean, you start to get into more realistic numbers and, and really go, well, okay, here's, here's where your pricing should be at. The other thing that's a factor that over the inventory situation is now what we have seen, and even the stats show that you know, because there's a myth that everybody says, well, the, the distressed market is kind of gone away. I think people think that that's the case. That's not the case. It's gone down, but it's just taking longer for those things to come to market because of the new laws and the new processes. So as those filter in, I hope that we start to see a little bit of a, of a, a realistic settling. So there's not this just, you know, you know, everybody flying by the seat of their pants, just going out trying to get a house because they don't think they're going sure. to get one. You know, it is a little bit more rare now, though. Yesterday on my Facebook feed, um, Jacob Rodriguez, who works for Peabody and Plum, posted that they just closed for a short sale. And that um, I forget what he said, but it was like a 30 day escrow from start to finish of doing a short sale. And I was like, check that out, man. This dude, not only is he doing a short sale, but they're yeah. doing them kind of efficiently. Well, the system um, is very efficient now. It's very yeah, efficient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, those things are still out there. We're just not, it's not the like, there's not so many of them that it seems like the only transactions that are going on anymore. In fact, during that whole heyday, I remember people saying to me, um, is there any where it's not? Like a short sales or like just like a dude that just wants to sell a house and he's not a bank or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. not really. It's not a great time to sell if you're just a guy that owns a house. Like yeah. the banks are the ones flooding the market, offloading junk. Well, they're, you know, they've, they've, uh, I was reading a report here on AOL Real Estate. They were uh, talking about the market being overstocked with older homes. And, you know, obviously we don't see a lot of, I mean, there's some newer homes being built. That's really helped, helped the trade industry. But, um, having a finished lot in the North County it, that's uh, affordable for a builder to buy and, and spec out and build a home and sell it is is rare right now. It's really hard to come by. So you're seeing a lot of these um, older homes that have come up in value now that are pulling people out of that um, that shortfall of what they owe and then making more sense for them to sell. And they can actually move into something with a better rate if they can make that happen. You know, that's 
it's incredible. There's so much. It's so much easier for them to feel comfortable putting it on the market and knowing that they can find something comparable that they can get into and still actually save a little bit of money. Since we're on the topic, according to Realty Track, in October nationally there were a little over thirty thousand um, distressed properties sold in the month of October, and there were f- approximately f- fifty-two thousand um, new foreclosure actions initiated on on homes, and that was in the month of November. So the the activity is a lot lower, but it's still happening. I mean, it's still a large number of homes. Sure. I saw just, in fact, the realtors we had on last week, the Keenan Carter Group of Keller Williams, South County, they listed a property on your street in Atascadero. It was a either a short sale or a foreclosure. Um, for how much? More than you bought your house for. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a bigger house. Whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> That's a you know it's a good point because they were talking about uh, in another report they were saying it's actually just uh, it, th- yes it's on the decline but it's actually part of that is that it's taking longer it's taking up to five months longer to actually get through the distressed inventory so it's adding months to that inventory to g- actually come to market That's to and get then, it to market and then to clear it you know so that it it is a strange we're kind of in strange times still we haven't really it's still we've gone into another unknown area you know. And I don't know what's going to happen when we see more of those come on if we see more housing come on either. Yeah. What is normal? <laughs> Good question. We don't actually have any idea anymore. <laughs> when we were having this like free fall in the housing market and um, it was hard to make an argument most of the time for like, hey, it's a great time to buy. You know, and, um no, everything's worth 10% less this year than it was last year, which is 10% less than the year before. And I don't actually see any end in sight. So now why am I going to go buy today? Um, and and then we kind of thought, at least we, we predicted, that we would go through some period of um, – the free falls over nothing's really going up in value it's kind of normal again and just like a nice safe place and boy wasn't that just opposite of what happened it went from like you know hey holy smokes these things are just plummeting in value to like hey check this out they're going up and you better get into this if you want one and i do think a lot of it ended up in the end once confidence in housing was restored, those interest rates just drove people to go out and beg, borrow, or steal their way into a house. You know, that's a good point. On top of that, I think you had another factor that was taking place, which, you know, was kind of part of that investor market. The rents were going up. I mean, the availability of rentals, you know, rental housing, and then the cost of the rents. So it started to make sense for people, especially in the entry level. Uh, market where you know first-time home buyers or and people that were that had never owned a home but they were seeing their rents increase and then there were these great programs out there USDA programs FHA programs that they could get into and actually get into a home for less than what they were paying in rent they could be yeah. a homeowner well, you got that was pretty amazing I, we worked with a lot of first-time home buyers and entry-level some of the most satisfying transactions I've ever had is working with people when they're getting their first house and, and their payments going and down and their payments going down and they're just yeah. they're just elated and they're just they're so excited about it you know yep. i mean it's a fulfilling it definitely is a fulfilling thing i know that sounds cliche but i think that um, it's one of the things you know as part of our company Weber Nelson we've really enjoyed working with those clients yeah. a lot i we experienced the same thing and um, we'd get 
there there's a funny thing about people when they come in to get a loan either i find there are clients that um are are well qualified but end up shocked that someone would give them what they would loan me a half a million dollars um and then the other the other end of the spectrum is these people that are like marginally qualified and overly deserving you know like i how how dare you ask where that nineteen thousand dollar deposit into my checking account came from you know do you did you not see my credit score? You, are you unaware of my 755 credit score? Right. Just this real, like, you know, entitled attitude. And my favorite are those ones, like, and, and to me, like those people you're talking about where their rent goes down, these to me are like those working class people. They're, they're good, hardworking, um, doing everything to make ends meet that they can um and they're in that entry level housing those are the ones where it's like yeah man you are getting your slice of the pie now and you thought it was going to be unaffordable but it's actually going to be cheaper than what you're doing today and it's just to see somebody go through that transformation and and realize that dream is a pretty cool thing yeah it, it's um it's been difficult the last year we've seen a lot of the you know some of those clients getting priced out of the market because of the increase and the lack of inventory. Like, sure. like you mentioned earlier, there is that lack of inventory, that lack of that entry level housing, as I call it. Um, you know, we're work, we work with some um, clients right now and we're, you know, we're looking, they're looking at the higher end of the spectrum, you know, uh, up towards the million dollar range. And there are uh, some homes to choose from, but I think it is, you know, like you you just mentioned, the person that says, uh, you know, what do you care about the 19000 or where that came from that came into my account? You know, that's the, some of these people are, are like that, they, but they have, the, they have the wherewithal to know that in that market, they can pick and choose the type of housing that they want to be in. So, you know, in that market, it gets a little tougher because if you're listing that house, you've really got to make it presentable and make it something that, that this person's going to really want. Right. Because you're satisfying a different type of buyer. Right. You know? and totally. That's, that's a, another facet that we get into a lot of times, which is makes our job very entertaining. Yeah. Well, and that was, I mean, when we bought our house last year, that was one of the things about it where that was that was really what tipped the scales was that the people that were selling the house knew what they were up against and who they were trying to attract. And they, they pulled out the stops. And in retrospect, after I've been maintaining the yard now for a year, I go, man, they did a really good, <laughs> like when I came and looked at this house, this yeah. yard was like, they were spending some money on keeping the yard. They must have had a landscaping team. Because no matter what I do when I leave for work in the morning, I'm like, baby, dial in that yard today. I come home and it looks the same. It just waits for me on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, that. so yeah, it's funny when somebody like really does paint that picture and put it all together. You walk in there and you're like, yeah, I would be proud to live here. Yeah, that, <laughs> That's the listing that you dream of getting a, a client that, that comes in and says, Hey, come in here and tell us what you really, really think it's going to, what you can do to help make this house sell. And you are feel comfortable enough to say, okay, see all that clutter on the counter right there. That's got to go away you know right? I mean? and things like that. And so I think that you're finding Actually, the more tuned, the more time they spend online, I think they become more savvy with it because they start. Sure. And the TV shows now 
that help with that. The, the people start to get an understanding of yeah. what it takes, you know. Wait, don't you just turn on all the lights and bake an apple pie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, people plug in those little things that smell like apple pie right. now. That's, uh, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Hey, Ty, we're in the middle of the hour, so we're throwing you out. I um, want to thank you much for coming in today, taking time on your Saturday to, to come and share your knowledge with us. Um, I, I do want you to remind everybody that's hearing you today, um, how they can get a hold of you, um, so that they can call you to transact business with you. Well, thank you guys one for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's always uh, fun when you get to do something like this. Uh, the best way to get a hold of us, um, is, uh, obviously on my cell phone, uh, 805-441-7960. And I say that religiously because, uh, I have it with me all the time. And yes, I'll pick up the call on a seven and on at seven o'clock on a Sunday evening. You'd be surprised how many times I do it. Also, we have a website. It's WeberNelson.com. That's W-E-B-B-E-R-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Got some great search tools on that site. Um, and if you can email us from there directly or just give us a call. Our office number is 805-238-0636. I really appreciate it, guys. We've had the pleasure of doing a lot of transactions with you um, because you've been a great referral partner for Will, and um, I thank you for that. I I know that for somebody like you, um, a Passerobian that's been around, did you get that, by the way? Yeah, I got that. Smooth, right very smooth. Been around here forever. I know you know everyone, and... Um, we we can't say enough good things about Will and what he means uh, for our company. And, and I just love that he's through the test of time here has, has maintained enough credibility with you to still be deserving of your referrals. And um, we're always stoked and grateful for that. So thank you much. Thank you, guys. And, I appreciate um, it. And we'll do everything we can to get you some referrals, too. I, I know that you're a good agent, and I'm, I hope that we were able to demonstrate that a little bit today. So, um, Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to go ahead and take the middle-of-the-hour commercial break. When we get back, we're going to have old Danny. Still got a bunch of papers here on the desk with the highlighter on the, the font, so we're going to check that out. So stick around after this break. Which matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters 1136. We're uh, going back to the basics here. It's just me and my cohort, Dan. That was a good segment. Ty's really good on the on the radio. Yeah, he kind of looks like a movie star too, huh? Like I was thinking, like that. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he kind of like reminds me of one of the dudes from like Terminator or something. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he has like a he has like a famous looking quality to him. We've, he's a famous realtor here on the there. Show. You go, <laughs> yeah. local celebrity, a Pasarobian. I, I meant to tell Ty I'm gonna have to track him down in the next little while here, but because uh, I'm going to I'm going to Maui in May, so I'm gonna I'm gonna um, bend his ear about what to do. It's exciting <laughs> stuff. So, Dan. Let's do the show from Maui. Uh, I guess <laughs> I'll go. Hey. That sounds good. Then Let's it would it be up. like a write-off, huh? There it is. Broadcasting yeah. live from the sandy shores of Maui. That sounds good to me. All right. We'll hook that up sometime. Just got to convince Dan. I'm always there. I'm, I'll, <laughs> I I'll do it anytime. He, he's <laughs> our, um, our controller, comptroller. Yeah. Controller? Whatever. Manager of the currency. <laughs> Um, hey, I, perhaps I was snoozing this week a little bit, but, um, wasn't there a budget deal? I don't think so. Yeah, there totally was. I think they're, they're starting to talk about it. That's going to be one of the, um, big issues after the new year is, uh, doing that whole negotiation again washington continued to be busy we had a budget deal are you sure and what many are calling kicking the can down the road it reduces sequestration effects by 37 percent to allow the agencies to determine how to implement the remaining 63 
New policies are evenly split between fees and spending cuts and should keep government running through the fall of 2015. The overall $45 billion rise in government spending in fiscal year 14 should boost GDP by, eesh, 0.275%. That doesn't seem very good. Now, so it was passed by the House of Representatives. Has it made it all the way through? I don't. I don't know. See, I think. Did I think the that's, Senate pass it? That's. I, that's what I'm thinking. Not. Um, I would expect there to be more news about that if if it were actually officially through. Maybe it's made it through the first leg of the of the process. I didn't. I didn't mean to like stump you. Well, you have. You have. It, there was some news about about the budget um now that we're into the new fiscal year the deficit has decreased about 20% year over year where last fiscal year the deficit was around 680 billion which is the lowest it's been in about 5 years and um the pace that we're on now it's predicted to fall to around 600 billion so making strides in the right direction um, down from the high of 1.4 trillion in 2009 that was an all-time high for the for the deficit um, oh that's so, not bad yeah um, <laughs> we only have about 20 minutes left there's one news item that I wanted to share with the listeners because it affects every homeowner out there um, at least well most every homeowner I should say Starting January 1st, any improvement or alteration to a single-family home that's more than 20 years old will trigger a state law mandating the installation of water-saving toilets, showerheads, and faucets. Um, officials believe that the upcoming rule is a relatively low cost. Um, Wait, say it again. Say it again. Sorry. Beginning January 1st, okay. single-family homes... It, if there is any improvement or alteration, so basically if you go and, impl- if you and get apply a permit, for a permit, okay. um, you will be required, in addition to whatever you're, what you actually want to do, you're going to have to update your, your water fixtures. Your toilets, showerheads, and faucets need to be upgraded to new lower flow um, fixtures to meet the... You know, in many counties of the state already have a program like that anyway. They do that. And it's actually a 2009 law. Yeah. Um, It's being enforced now beginning in 2014. Um, How do you, by the way, though, like, how do you know if my showerhead is compliant or not? Does it have a gallons per minute stamped into the side of it? Because I don't think it does. I don't know. And I know, I know the toilets mine are do. compliant. The toilets do. The toilets have on either the bowl or inside the tank will have the gallons per flush. Right. And so most toilets, I think, are around 1.6. Most older toilets are 1.6. The newer toilets are 1.28 gallons per flush. And then there's some, the double flush. They'll, The ones that I've seen at the hardware stores, they're like a 1.1 if you do the, the small flush and a 1.6 if you do the big flush. Um so there's the the toilets I know you can find it pretty easily on the the fixture the shower heads and faucets I'm not sure if it's there you might have to look up a a product code or something like that to figure out when you buy and sell a house back in my hometown and this has been the case dude 
for a long time, uh, more than 10 years. When properties transacted, you have to move the toilets to a low flow toilet. And they had a program set up through the water district that because it's kind of being exacted from you, you could get a toilet from them or they would give you a credit back if you elected to buy a toilet elsewhere. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Like you, you consider like you don't think it's having that much impact What if the whole world gave you a buck. If you get the entire state to cut down a quarter or a half a gallon per flush and put that by the average household size of four, I mean, I don't know. what. How many times a day is a toilet flushed? Yeah, there's some statistics about it's that. A I'm lot. Not sure. It's a lot. Yeah. And, um, and the goal here is to reduce water use in the household by 20% by the year 2020. They just have to, they have to do the... Um, adopted that other rule too, like the could call it like the mellow rule if it's yellow let it mellow that one <laughs> right. yeah <laughs> that's no gallons per flush if you're letting it mellow just, sure just saying sure so you know the i mean the cost i think is relatively low um considering what it will do for water usage in the state you know what else is probably just good to bring up right now to everybody, especially because the season of having lights and candles and Christmas trees and all this stuff all around is your smoke detectors. Um, when we do home loans for people, sometimes they're caught off guard. If you're refinancing for the first time in 10 years, we're checking today. The appraiser's looking for a, a smoke detector and also carbon monoxide alarm, which by the way is state law. The carbon monoxide alarm has to be outside the living spaces, like so like in a hallway outside the bedroom doors, um, and also like in the living room area, I think by the kitchen. You gotta have a carbon monoxide detector, and there's an awful lot of people that don't. Um, they're, when, when these first came around, they were kind of expensive, the carbon monoxide detectors. I remember that they were a pretty penny. I think the first couple that I bought were close to 30 bucks. Today, you can get a smoke detector, carbon monoxide alarm um, detector built into one little unit that you can put in. Um, if you don't have that, go get that. I think it's worth it. And, you know, the people that I think that don't have the carbon monoxide um, detectors are probably the people that I want to encourage the most. They're usually the ones also that have like the wall register heaters or you know some of those other things that are perhaps pack a little bit more danger and or risk of carbon monoxide anyway it's just smart not to mention your carbon monoxide main it builds up in your blood right and it may not be enough to kill you but if you're getting even trace amounts of carbon monoxide from a faulty heater vent or something you or water heater or whatever you could just be feeling crummy and sick and not necessarily know why it's just smart to have that um, and then the other thing of course is um, a part of every it's it's law but it's a part of every loan transaction we do where an appraisal is involved is making sure that your water heater is braced um, with earthquake straps and that also is just smart, uh, making sure that you're um, in the event of an earthquake, that that water heater isn't going to just tip over and, and flood your house and cause an ongoing flooding problem, um, that those things are supposed to be braced too. So throw that in there on the toilet talk, Dan. See, who knew you were going to log into Mortgage Matters today and you were going to get such good toilet talk? <laughs>
Yeah. And we wowed Jim, which is always the goal. I'm amazed by your, your insight here, Jason. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm ama- I amazed myself today. Um, <laughs> hey, I want to do the final commercial break of the show here, and it's important to do so because the people that um, – that we run their commercials they're paying sponsors of the show and it's important to us that they um get these commercials heard we hope that you'll do business with them their businesses that we believe in and that we do business with ourselves so give a special ear to this last commercial break and we'll be back for dan the final segment of mortgage matters in 2013 stick around don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Saying that all mortgage lenders are the same is like saying all restaurants are the same. We all know that fast food isn't the same quality as Five Star, and there are a lot of fast food lenders out there. But what if you could get five-star quality at fast food prices? At Central Coast Lending, that's exactly what you get. Expert advice at the best possible price. If you're looking to buy a home or refinance, before you sign, let Central Coast Lending take a look at your loan. Call us today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should've known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kinda worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. (laughs) All right, you guys, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. As said before the break, this will be the final 10 minutes here of live radio on Mortgage Matters for 2013. I know you guys are just devastated. Your heart breaks. Next week, of course, is just like 
you know, days before Christmas. So we're going to miss that. And then the one in between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be playing some reruns. So I know some of you loyal listeners are going to tune into those reruns just to have the familiarity of the old pipes. However, Dan had a good idea, which was make some predictions here about um, what does 2014 hold. Um, I bravely shared that sometime around about March or April, I predicted that the Dow would close 2013 at 17,000 points. And um, people, Do you remember what it was at that time? Oh, no. It was less, though, than it is now. It, it went up. Maybe it was right as it as it got back to the 14,000 mark, that previous high? Yeah, I'm reluctant to commit to it, but I, I do. I feel like it was somewhere around 14.8 or something like that. And, um, you know, and, and honestly, I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek at the time, was like, yeah, the um, Dallas keeps going up and nobody really knows why. I mean, there's all this government stimulus and crap, but the – the bottom line is, is that the jobs weren't very good and housing was doing very good, but it was on some major stimulus because of all the money being dumped into the market. And I think that when I said it, just because it was before June, it would have. But then once once we hit that, that June era when people started going, hey, they're going to cut the stimulus, that was when we started to see some of the steam being lost out of the Dow, right? I mean... It, what does our investment market look like absent of this $85 billion a month shot in the arm? I don't know, but it, it derailed our progress. We would have been there. And, and I remember at the time saying it was, it was laughable because it wasn't, it wasn't in my opinion, really based in reality, but I really thought it was going to happen. So I was wrong. So knowing that the, the wind down of the, the fed stimulus is imminent, where do you see the Dow finishing in the end of 2014. The funny thing is, is, and we should begin doing this every year. I'd like to, we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll listen back and we'll record this stuff. But, um, so here are my predictions. I'm going to just give you a few. Number one, today, I'm going to say that the average rate for the average credit profile, the average everything for a 30 year fix is about four and a half. I think today, today, and I think that this time next year, so that coming into the, the closeout of calendar year 14, I think that that interest rate's going to be pushing six. Okay. I was going to say five and a half percent. Okay. One point higher than today. Okay. In terms of the Dow, I think that we're going to see the Dow um, 18,000. I don't think it's going to be that high. Give me a number. We're going to record it. We're going to revisit this. Um, short of 17,000. My prediction is that these increased interest rates are going to, um, and, and just the, the value of housing, the stability of housing with all of these new loans are going to bring back some of the investors. The little bit higher yield is going to keep it functioning along fine. And once we get off of the stimulus and realize that we don't crash anything, that we keep moving along and things are okay, that that's going to cause some real room for this this glass ceiling that we've got on it right now where we want to celebrate a high GDP. We want to celebrate um, months in a row of reduced unemployment. We want to celebrate job creation. We want to celebrate all of these things, but we can't because we're 
so fearful that this that the stimulus is like the only reason for it. And I think once we remove that glass ceiling or at least get it underway, um, that that's going to send the Dow into um, all time record highs. So uh, we'll we'll see how that one squares up. Um, how about unemployment? Unemployment. Um, I'm going to have to say I think that we'll probably be um, I'd probably call it six and a half percent to at, at next December, I think, is where we'll be, too. Yeah, I think we're going to be closer to six percent unemployment. So you're believing in more created jobs. Um, in fact, a pretty good reduction. I mean, we haven't seen 6% unemployment now in uh, seven years, I think. So you're believing that we're going to get back to like record low unemployment yet not see translation. I don't think that's record low the, unemployment. I mean, in, in, for my generation, <laughs> it about is. Uh, but we're not going to see that translate over into the um, into the equities market. So what, yeah, and what I see is lacking in the equities market is is innovation. I mean, what is there? There's only so much you can do to a cell phone or to a computer or to, um, you know, just this social week, networking though, I, sites. I just don't see that driving through it. Dan, um, just this week, I think it's Mercedes is talking about um, a North American manufacturing plant. That's excellent. Just saying, you know, which is great for our American economy. But yeah. how, does that really impact Mercedes Corporation? Hey, made in America. Okay. I know if you're the guy that buys only things made in America. By the way, with all this made in China stuff, you want to know where you can get away from made in China? Hmm. Uh, at the world market, most everything there is made in India. China. <laughs> you go to China, you get away from made in China. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, no. oh, sorry. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time. I was going to say, did you see now that, that we we recently approved China to be able to make chicken for us? They're allowed to take American chickens to China, uh, process them, and then send them back. Hmm. So if you're eating things like um, chicken patties and chicken nuggets and like canned chicken soup and these kind of things, is this one more reason for you not to? Um, it's going to be processed in China and then sold back to you. Um, maybe funneling into the resolution here of uh, having a more natural whole foods diet here in 2014. Um, back to predictions. Yeah. Um, home values. Where do you see home values year over year December? Year over year December? I'm going to say um, stable. Flat? Yeah. 3% or less. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go 5 five to 7. Okay. 5 to 7%. What other class of prediction needs to be made today? Mm -hmm. We covered. Those are the big ones. Yeah. Rates, values, unemployment. All right, then. Real quick, your resolution, sir, since we're going to be revisiting the things you said you were going to do this uh, year. I don't make resolutions. Never? No. Why don't you quit smoking? I don't smoke. <sighs> There's like two weeks left to start, and then you can <laughs> quit. <laughs> um, 
I don't I don't necessarily have any resolutions either. I've been thinking about this though. Tell me what you think. I'm thinking about trying a resolution that's um not to have not to consume any beverage that comes out of a plastic bottle. Oh, that's a good one. Like nothing. I want all everything I do to be like out of a reusable, reusable. bottle. Nice. I it's scary though. It's um, hard. So I'm thinking that uh, that and then also um a savings plan for everybody in my family. Like I want to make them all save as their resolution, but I got to figure out how to work it out. There we go. Hey, we're running out of time here, guys. I want to thank you um, very much. The show has done wonders for our company. Um, it's It's been great to see it paying off and get your guys' love and support. So thank you for a great year. Um, we are. We just extended the contract for another year, so we'll be back. We'll see you guys in 2014. Wishing you uh, happy holidays. Be safe. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs>